Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, my name is Stocks and welcome to the 2021 Five Yard Rush fan slash analyst mock draft. And there's a little bit of a different format tonight. I am not joined by the big man himself. He is taking the week off to focus on the playbook. So I thought, well, I need someone whose college knowledge is far above mine. Ash was in a pub garden. And I thought, well, Ash has been on. Tom's turn. He's coming back. Tom joins me tonight to be my, I guess, knowledge guy as I host the draft. Tom, thanks for coming on, man. Hi, mate. I prefer the term Plan B, seeing as though you've you've got in touch with Ash and he's in the pub. No, I haven't. I don't even. I just. I know Ash, and I know he's in the pub. So, Ash, it's if a, you're it's listening, it's a good guess. It's a good guess. With 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 the weather down here, as nice as it is, I can only assume that it's fairly nice where you are. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Um, it's as good as it gets in this part of the world. <laughs> I say I can only assume because Tom is not on video this evening. He is. He's black screened me. He's given me the privacy treatment so I can't see out of the window in his office so I'm just I'm assuming 
then it's nice because it's nice here and it must be nice down south with ashes so i imagine there's some sort of cheap lager or a cider in hand in the sunshine and we will be in fact you will be hearing from ash at pick 24 because he is picking for his beloved pittsburgh steelers so the format for tonight is a mock draft we're doing the first round we've got people picking from i guess they're all friends of ours tom people friends analysts that we know and love throughout the community and everybody's picking for their team i think it's their team or there's a couple of teams maybe that we sort of handed out right i think so we we were very close to having a full set of teams one thing i will say before we get going when you're trying to sort of grade picks or evaluate picks like i am not inviting experts and analysts on again because sometimes <laughs> when they just when they just get a pick so right what's there to evaluate so there wasn't a single pick that we've seen that I thought, I absolutely hate that pick. So uh, there'll be no Colin Cowherd from me tonight. I'll be uh, as balanced as I can. I, when we get to the Dallas Cowboys at 10, I've got a couple of comments on that, but that's only because of the pick, not because it's the wrong position, but the player yeah. taken. But I, I, I don't hate it. I just don't think he's the best available at that point for me but I mean with the fans are there they're waiting the videos up Lee's done a tremendous job of the slides for this program so Lee we thank you very much and Tom it's it's only right that we start the 2021 mock draft by announcing that top the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock and our friend Patrick from the long snapper podcast is making their pick with the first overall pick in 2021 the Jacksonville Jaguars select quarterback from Clemson Trevor Lawrence I mean, how could we not? The guy's phenomenal. A generational talented. We'd absolutely be fools not to. Well, no surprise there, Tom. <laughs> no surprise there at all. Trevor Lawrence was picked by the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. Yeah, I was sitting there patiently at two waiting for chaos. But like Patrick said, they would be fools not to. And I, I can't remember where I heard it said, but about a week or so ago, there was one a talking head or another over there in the States that said, even if the brass... At the, at the Jaguars do like Zach Wilson ahead of Trevor Lawrence. Let's assume that, that Chris Sims is right. <laughs> you you can still get away with picking Trevor Lawrence because the whole world has him as QB one, and you can you can get away and not lose your job through through picking him. But let's be honest, you know we've been looking forward to this number one pick for for over a year, and so as Patrick said, they'd be foolish not to not to take Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. We we should point out that this was done a little while ago. So there are a couple of picks which may have been influenced somewhat by, uh, like, for instance, the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, James Connor may have changed that pick, but actually, I still don't hate the pick for them in the long term. So when we get to them, we'll talk a little bit about that. But Tom, the Jacksonville Jaguars, unfortunately, oh, we should also say that trades weren't allowed in this. So even if the Jaguars did want to trade down, there wasn't the opportunity. No, and it- when you've got so many people involved and the, you can't really bring future picks into it, it can get very messy very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, Tom, the New York Jets are on the clock, my man. Over to you. Hey, Stocks. Hey, Tom. Thank you for having me on. It's Joe Douglas, of course, General Manager of the New York Jets. With the second overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets are going to select Zach Wilson, quarterback out of BYU. The great rebuild of this programme is entering year two. Of course, it's not just the quarterback position where we will reset, but we have a new head coach and offensive coordinator in Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur. 
what we wanted to do was find the quarterback that matched our new offensive coordinator's offense. And Wilson, for me, is the right man to take the job. He recovered from a torn labrum in 2019 and showcased the strongest arm in this draft class in 2020. He was careful with the ball, throwing just three interceptions, and he showed athleticism in bursts as well. We do believe that this is the player with those special traits to take this programme to the next level. That New York GM was a smart guy, wasn't he? <laughs> I tell you that, but he's got some, uh, he's got some uh, suave about him, shall we say. Shall yeah. we say? I mean, Tom, Zach Wilson at two has been penciled in for pretty much as long as Zach Wilson halfway through his season, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as we knew the Jets were going to not get that number one overall pick, it seemed that Zach Wilson was their guy. Absolutely. And my sort of, um, I was, I'm not going to say love affair, but my relationship with Zach Wilson began with a text message from you early on in the season. We were talking about quarterbacks in the college game. And, and after about two or three games, you sent me a text message to say, where's the Zach Wilson love? And it's safe to say that he's had plenty of it since uh, since starting his, his junior year at, at BYU. Now, I would not be surprised if Justin Fields is the pick. I know that the whole world knows that it's Zach Wilson. I, would, I wouldn't hate it if it was Justin Fields. I think those, those two are, are very close in terms of talent. Fields is probably more pro-ready at the moment, but Wilson seems to be at the moment the, the fit in that offensive scheme. It... So hand on heart, if you were genuinely picking for the Jets at two, which for this exercise you were, mm-hmm. what, do you have Zach Wilson ahead of Justin Fields or is it purely based on that scheme fit? You think he is better for the Jets than Justin Fields? I think he he would be, well, I'm making some some big assumptions about what LaFleur is going to do when he, when he brings the offence over. But all signs seem to point that, that Wilson will be the guy. Um Right now, I've got Fields as my second quarterback. I think that as a prospect, Justin Fields is a better prospect than than Zach Wilson. But it's it's one of those situations, you know, both the Jets and every other team reaching up for a quarterback at the top of the draft, they have to believe that they won't be in this position again. As a, as a new head coach, Robert Sally, you have to think that we're not going to be in the top five. Now, the rest of the world is going to say, yeah, but it's the Jets and they will be. <laughs> Robert Robert Sally can't believe that. So you have to go and get the guy that you think is going to be the natural fit. And, and he seems to be it. Absolutely. I, yeah, I also have Justin Fields as my second quarterback. And funny, you mentioned our in-season chat about Justin uh, Zach Wilson sorry when I did message you and I look back upon that text and I said Zach Wilson balled out last night and I actually quote that in the playbook this year I quote our conversation about Excellent. Zach Wilson there little um this sort of ruining one of the the highlights from my Zach Wilson right up in the book but did you know <laughs> Zach Wilson took two girls to his prom I did I did that's the high school prom right yeah I mean if you've got any worries about Zach Wilson not being dudish enough to be a quarterback in New York that that's Oh, he's got, yeah. he's got the moxie. Don't worry about that. So the San, Fran, ugh, San Francisco 49ers are on the clock. And uh, I, there may or may not be a video for this when it comes out. So Lee's going to do some wizardry. Or I'm just going to tell you that, that they took Justin Fields at three. No surprise here. Call back Ohio State. Yeah, you, you don't come up and pay the price that they did without coming for a quarterback. And... I never bought into the Mac Jones rumours. Now, if 
You can look back after the draft <laughs> yeah. and Mac Jones is the pick. You can record this, cut it up, and I'll, I'll retire from podcasting because I, I hand on heart do not believe for one second that they have sold the farm for, for Mac Jones. I think Fields is, as I said, the second quarterback on the board. He's pro-ready. That provides a, a bit of a situation for San Francisco because in an ideal world, Garoppolo plays in 21 and mm-hmm. the rookie sits. And that's what makes me think that that we can't rule out Trey Lance to, to the 49ers. However, as a talent, as a quarterback, Fields is undoubtedly more ready and has, has shown more in the college game. Yeah. If it's Fields, I don't think Garoppolo stays. These, see, I think the Denver Broncos are in the, there's a chance we move up to, to maybe four if we want to pay up for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance we go after, after Trey Lance at, at, at four. I can't, I just can't see us paying up for somebody who it's not as if we have a veteran quarterback for him to sit behind. And, you know, if, mm-hmm. if Drew Locke struggles through the first half of the season, they're going to put Trey Lance in because of the, yeah. The, the the price we've paid in the draft in order to move up you know you can't have him sit there with Drew Locke floundering it's, it's almost a pointless exercise and I don't think as good as Trey Lance is and what his ceiling could be I think he needs a year and I think the next pick is is perfect for Trey Lance but uh, uh, along the same sort of thing line I think you're right if Justin Fields does go to San Francisco Denver could be a team where Jimmy thinks well I, I can go there and I can start There'll be a lot of teams calling about Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think everybody knows that the 49ers are coming for a quarterback and they're going to be getting some phone calls. And next up on the clock are the Atlanta Falcons and our man Owen from 99 Yards is there to make their pick. It's Owen here from 99 Yards picking on behalf of the Atlanta Falcons. And with the fourth pick, the Atlanta Falcons will be selecting Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. Look, Falcons fans are going to be split as to whether they should be selecting a quarterback in this draft cycle or not. I completely get that. Matt Ryan is still more than good enough and players like Penny Sewell, Kyle Pitts, they're going to be really tempting here. But for the Falcons, they now need to start looking to the future. And for the front office point of view, they don't want to be picking this low down in the draft again. So picking a quarterback won't be a wasted pick. It'll be more like an investment. The Falcons need to make the most of the opportunity they've been handed by selecting fourth overall and selecting a quarterback of Trey Lance's stature. That has all the potential and the ability that you want. He has all the traits and the upside to be one of those transcendent quarterbacks that the NFL now love. And a player like Lance, they check all the boxes. The fit of Lance in Atlanta as well, and the ability to sit in for however long is necessary, provides the Falcons with the perfect opportunity while Matt Ryan is still under contract. For Matt Ryan, still only 35, he still has a good few years left in him. But now is the perfect time to pick a quarterback who has all the tools and maturity to give a seamless transition and evolution when it comes to Ryan's departure. So we just we just talked about him, Tom. Trey Lance to the Falcons. Yeah, and as Owen said, a, a look to the future and an investment. And just like at San Francisco, I think Atlanta's in a, a great position where Lance could sit behind Ryan, learn his trade, and then start one, possibly possibly more than one year into into his rookie deal. You don't really want to to spend two years of a rookie deal sat on the bench. Um, the, the one thing I will say about, about that quarterback situation is that's two very different QBs on, mm-hmm. on the roster. And it will be interesting to see if that is, in fact, the pick, how long it is before we, we see Trey Lance. Or do we see Trey Lance on, I don't know, a third and short situation and almost playing as a wildcat? We may see flashes of him in his, in his rookie year there. You know 
I love Trey Lance. I know he's <laughs> I know he's QB four. I know that. I know there are three guys more talented than him, but I have never wanted a prospect to succeed more than more than him. Yeah, it's definitely dividing the camp right now, and I'm firmly entrenched in the Trey Lance side with yourself. So, be interesting to see what happens. the uh, The fifth pick is is uh, about to be made, and the Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. And uh, our boy Adam from Touchdown Tips is about to make the pick, and that's two top five picks in two years for Adam. So he's had he's had himself, and essentially with the quarterbacks going one, two, three, four, he's got the first overall pick again this year, as Murph said on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So. That's not bad, Adam. Two first-round picks in two years, or two number-one overall picks, essentially. Here's Adam with their pick. Hi, I'm Adam Walford at Touchdown Tips on Twitter, touchdowntips.com. I had the pleasure of picking for my Bengals at the number five pick, and as the four quarterbacks went first, we had the choice of any player on the board. Uh, Kyle Pitts obviously was a consideration as a possibly generational tight end. Penny Sewell, obviously... The one that quite a lot of uh, experts believe they should take because the offensive line needs work. They did spend a lot of money in free agency, though. Uh, And the other position that needs work is wide receiver. So we are teaming Jamar Chase back up with his college quarterback, uh, Mr. Joe Burrow. Um, they have they had a brilliant connection in college. There's not much more to say. They've seen comparisons to AJ Green, to Julio Jones, to Calvin Johnson. Many, many comparisons for Jamar Chase uh, and pairing him with um, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, uh, Joe Mixon, obviously in the passing and the running game for him. I, I think that's a heck of an offense. Um, there's a possibility of taking offensive line in the second round. Leatherwood is the one that I keep seeing mentioned. Uh, he's a guard. Then we'd have Jonah Williams one side. We signed Riley Reef in free agency. Fill up their guard spots. And that's at least a decent start in offensive line. Um, so, yeah, we, we went with the fun, fun task. The, the fun choice of Jamar Chase, uh, and we will leave it to see what happens in the actual draft. Honestly, Sewell or Chase, I'm happy with. I don't think they'll go for Pitts. Hopefully, frankly, the Falcons will take Pitts, and then it will leave that decision out of their hands. But we'll see in real life. But yeah, this one, Jamar Chase. Now, Tom, this is, uh, this is just greed, and you, you, you can't go taking Jamar Chase at five and not taking a tackle to, project, to protect Joe Burrow. Completely agree. I mean, the only reason the Bengals are at five is because of the performances of Burrow <laughs> prior to the injury. And we saw at the the uniform reveal the, the great scar down, I think his left leg, down his left knee. This for me is a, is a luxury pick in Jamar Chase. I, I completely get the logic. I mean, their understanding at, at LSU was incredible. And it's not as though Chase was the only offensive weapon. We had Edwards Hilaire, Justin Jefferson. There was there was weapons all over the pitch. Um, for me, I don't think that the Bengals are in the position to make that luxury pick. It has to be Penny Sewell for me here. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, obviously, we'll get to Penny Sewell in a, in a tiny little bit, but with the Bengals making that pick, that is pure luxury. And unless they decide to throw the rest of their draft picks at a late first round pick to try and move up to get Tevin Jenkins or Darius Law maybe or someone like that. It, mm-hmm. This is madness. But hey, it's a mock draft and that's why we love them. So with that being said, the Miami Dolphins are on the clock and our boy Lee is there to make the pick. So with the sixth pick in the five-yard rush mock draft, um, on behalf of the Dolphins, I'm selecting Jalen Waddle. Um, there'll be people screaming right now. I'm sure Stocks and Tom are going to break this down. I want to give two or one of his guys, so that narrowed it down to the two Bama guys for me. Um, I think 
Jalen Waddle offered something on special teams as well, which you know people will be saying you can't you can't use his first first round wide receiver on special teams, but I think Brian Flores is the kind of guy that's going going to, especially as a rookie. Uh, maybe not after that, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did did use him. So um, I think Jalen Waddle stretches the field east and west really well. Great slot receiver. It's no, we know that's where two to a Friars is, is throwing to guys in the slot. So with bringing on Will Fuller in the off-season as a field stretcher, I think Jalen Wardle complements that perfectly. Also allows you to move on from a player like Albert Wilson and save uh, valuable money against the cap for this year, especially going forwards. Again, I get it. You know, the, just like we said with, with Chase and Burrow, the, the connection there. And I like that Lee has gone for Waddle over Smith. And for me, you've got Devontae Parker and now Will Fuller. Who can who can do something on the outside? Waddle is going to be a great slot option for for Tua, and we saw a lot of short yardage, intermediate throws from from Tua Tagovailoa in his rookie year, and so I think Jalen Waddle could be involved right from the very start. Mm-hmm. I I'd be interested to hear from Lee that if the Bengals had have gone Penny Sewell, would he have been tempted to to go with the tackle ahead of the receiver? I don't I don't think he would. I think that I think he's fairly happy with the additions they've made along mm-hmm. the offensive line in the off season, and I think for me, there's there is a clear draft plan for Lee, and that is to go wide receiver, running back. Um, yeah, obviously it and, didn't didn't work out in this draft that way, but no, I think we'll, we'll come to that when when pick eighteen rolls around. But unlike the Bengals, I do believe that Miami are in that position of let's go get some luxury guys. Let's go get a Waddle, a Pitts, a Najee Harris, a Travis Etienne, and let's have some fun with it. Because this team, if, if everything clicks, the Dolphins are going to the deep, deep stages of the playoffs. And mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to like that. You know as a, as a fellow AFC <laughs> fan, I'm not going to like it. But I do think that the Dolphins are very close to hitting on something special. Yeah, well, they've certainly done well with their rebuild and the organic tank has proved to, if Tua can make a step up and, and be what the guy they drafted him for, I think that you're right. I think there's going to be some serious playoff contention from the Dolphins next year. And that, that moves us nicely onto pick seven with the Detroit Lions on the clock. And uh, this was a position of absolute need, Tom. So why mm-hmm. don't we why don't we let Robert from Roar of the Lions take their pick and then and we can discuss it. With the seventh pick of the five-yard wish mock draft, the Detroit Lions pick Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. Now, there were quite a few picks that had been considering, like the pick seven. Um, we had, well, obviously, Devontae Smith. Uh, we also had the other two wide, top wide receivers in uh, Waddle and Chase. Um, also considering Pitts and Sewell. Now, I went wide receiver as essentially the wide receiver room for the Detroit Lions is practically bare. Um, and there's a definite need there, uh, more so than the other positions, I would say. Um, given at the start of uh, this off-season, there was only one wide receiver under contract in Detroit. So Devontae Smith's going to come in and he's going to immediately become a you know, a wide receiver one. Now, there are issues in which I would consider uh, with Devontae Smith is, is that his build type is the durability over a long period of time. So that's definitely a concern that I've got. Um with regards to Pitts, I, again, another serious contender. Um, we already have TJ Hawkinson, and although I know he's, he's 
essentially a wide receiver in name. I just couldn't bring myself to take another tap, you know, tight end, uh, given just how well Hawkinson's been performing and the sparsity of the rest of the wide receiver room. Um, there has been talk online with regards to Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions you know, taking a quarterback. Um, I don't believe that's going to be the case. Um, at the moment, Brad Holmes was assisted in the scouting of uh, Goff. I believe he's got something, or the, the Lions believe he's got something, and that they will at the very least give him a couple of years just to kind of establish himself, see what's available, just see how he's going to cope under this new coaching regime, and just see what's available. Um, Devontae Smith is going to come in and basically be an immediate starter and with any luck he's going to get some performance issues to help raise not just his game but also to uh, give Jared Goff some weapons just to kind of so that he gets a fair assessment himself for his role in the future of the team. Well it's no surprise Tom they, they took a wide receiver Devontae Smith Alabama is now a Detroit Lion. Yeah and I expect the Lions to go wide receiver here if they if they don't decide to, to trade down, I think if one of the quarterbacks slides uh, on the night, we might see Detroit being one of those teams that can come back. But if we look at that wide receiver room, I mean Quintez Cephas, I think he's is he wide receiver one on the on the depth chart at the minute. I know I've been picking him up in some uh, in some dynasty rosters that I've got, so they desperately need some some wide receiver help. I'm not I'm not certain Devonte Smith it's the best best landing spot for him. Uh, but maybe that's me some some lazy analysis thinking about Detroit and and the, their recent struggles on offense. So, what do you think about Pitts to Detroit and pairing with Hawkinson? Personally, I absolutely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, no, that's not fair. That's me with my fantasy hat on saying yeah. that they couldn't even use TJ Hawkinson properly, really, and he was one of the best prospects tight end recently so obviously Pitts is a different beast we know what he's capable of I mean I, I saw a photo of him today benching 365 or 385 pounds in order to get some of that functional strength up for his blocking I mean as if he needed to do any more <laughs> I I can see it working just the way that the Rams had several tight ends and, and either rotated or played with two on the field at once and I I think you know, you forgot Tyrell Williams as the, in their wide receiver room, and I think he could, you know, he hasn't been hugely successful at the Raiders, but he does have that sort of outside-ish, he does play as an outside, and I think if he can stay fit and maybe Jared Goff can can hyper, you not hyper-target, but really lock onto him, I think that's a good move for Smith as well, because Smith can can float about then and, and perhaps take less coverage with Safus and... Williams, but uh, I don't know. I think the thing for me for Smith, I think he could be the main guy in Detroit if he hits. It, oh, hundred percent. I know that. I know that there's a lot of people out there that that don't like his his size. They don't like they don't like one one seventy. Beyond that, there's there's nothing to dislike. I mean, we've got to remember this is the Heisman Trophy winner, and wide receivers don't win the Heisman Trophy mm. uh, in this day and age, and that is despite the the concerns about his size. The thing for Smith is he's clearly going from an offense where he's surrounded by talent and he's one of many very talented guys. Mm-hmm. When in the NFL, I think if if he lands on Detroit, he's going straight in as as the number one guy there. Yeah, I agree. And I also think 
you know, people knock his size and that, that might be fair if he was playing in a smaller division. But when you play for Alabama, you play against the best teams. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's almost playing against all of the good corners he'll play against, all of the good linebackers, all of the good safeties. Everybody he faces will end up in the NFL because of how good they are. So he's played at that size in college. And yes, it's college. But I think the size thing is just, it's maybe a bit of lazy analysis. I could be well wrong and I could be, this could just be me being contrarian, but I think the size thing is maybe a little bit of lazy analysis on people looking for something to, to pick on him perhaps. And because he is smaller, it's easy to say, oh, well, he's, you know, the size is an issue. Yeah. And beyond that, there's very little that, that, that you dislike about Devontae Smith. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, right, it's time for the eighth pick. The Carolina Panthers are on the clock and our boy Rob is here to make the pick. Hi, I'm Rob Castle, five-yard writer and Carolina Panthers fan, picking on behalf of the Panthers. So with the eighth overall pick, the Panthers are taking Penny Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. I had considered taking a quarterback. Matt Jones was still on the board at this point, but ultimately, whoever lines up behind that line, the Panthers need pass protection. It could be Teddy Bridgewater, it could be a traded selection, it could be a rookie pick, but we need someone there. And to be honest... Some of our off-season signings in that area have been a little bit less than inspiring. So with Sewell falling as far as he did in this draft, um, I think it was too tempting to say no. Um, he plays pri- primarily at left tackle, so with him on the left and Taylor Moten on the right, I think that really gives us some stability in those areas. It might have been a bit of a risk taking a chance on a player that opted out of the 2020 season, but his 2018 stats, 2019 stats were phenomenal. He's still very young and he's, he was pushing around players who were far more experienced and far older than he was. So he's, he's definitely a talent to take. He's a monster and that is exactly what the Panthers need in 2021. Damn you, Rob. Damn you, Rob. Penn Isol is a Carolina Panther at eight. And I, <laughs> to be fair, this was all, I, it, it was always going to be tackle and he is my tackle one. I don't know about you, Tom. It's, it's leaps, leaps and bounds for me. Absolutely. Uh, they, there is one guy that, that I like as another sort of top 10 tackle because I, I, I do expect uh, Sewell to, to go to the Bengals. I, I could well be wrong. I, I was surprised to see him fall to eight. Now, obviously, Rob mentioned that the quarterback situation, his video and his pick was recorded before the Sam Darnold trade. But even after getting Sam Darnold, I think this is... This is the ideal pick. I mean, if we're talking left tackles that can come in and and be a generational talent, he yep. is the guy. Um, I don't know how you'd rank him in last year's group if he was coming through at this at this stage alongside that that top four. He it's, certainly goes ahead of Andrew Thomas. I, I know that, but but are you are you basing that on last year's production? Because well, we, we it's, it's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the the negative guy here or say you, you you're wrong. But what we've seen over the past year, for me, easily puts him ahead of Andre, Andrew Thomas. But then, if he was, if there was five guys last year and he was one of them, would we have, you know, would we have put him at four or above ahead of Thomas last? Uh, it, I think recency bias has swayed me a little bit on that. And but I think. I think just because of his age, I think because he's so young, mm-hmm. I think that increases his stock regardless of whether he's perhaps better or not. And, you know, 
I, I, I haven't seen his pro day or anything. And you got Mekki Becton out there last year, absolutely annihilating the combine and stuff, and that increased his draft stock. Absolutely. So I yeah, I mean, it, it also depends on how how franchises are going to view this this opt out year as well, and how that might have affected his development because he is a younger prospect. He is entering the league at age twenty. Some might look at that as a lost year. Others might look at it as the opportunity to, you know, to save some some tread on the tires, so to speak. Mm. I, don't, I did yeah. not expect him here at pick eight, and and I know that that you're disappointed he didn't fall just just one <laughs> spot further. But I mean, what what an off season that is for the Panthers. You know, you've you've got a, an, an upgrade at quarterback. Yep. Everything around the quarterback makes sense, and the weakness now is is making sure he gets protected. And you've gone out and you've got what is undisputably the best tackle in the class. Yeah, and I think I think come draft night, unless somebody really wants to move up. Uh, and select, uh, barring the Bengals not taking him, I think this is the first realistic position he could he could land in if they don't move back the Panthers. Yeah, they might be crossing the fingers and hoping that it's it's Chase at five. Mm-hmm. So on to the ninth pick. The Denver Broncos are on the clock. I'm going to make their pick because why not? I'm a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, there is a video. But for the sake of editing this podcast, I'm just going to do it now. The Denver Broncos select linebacker Micah Parsons from Penn State. Now, Tom, I don't know what you made of this. I, listening to Broncos podcasts and mock drafts and stuff from all over the world recently, as I, I'm trying to do, you hear so many conflicting stories where the Broncos are, are definitely going linebacker that perhaps Micah Parsons... They, they're not keen on him. And then you listen to another podcast and they're absolutely in love with Michael Parsons. So for me, it's the only position, I mentioned this in the podcast the other day, it's the only position we haven't addressed in free agency. You know, Michael Parsons does absolutely everything with explosiveness, which is just what you need from a big time linebacker. He's sideline to sideline and he does it quickly. He knows where the ball is. He almost has this ability to, to pick the ball out of the crowd and know which directions it's going in, which obviously helps with his sideline ability. But he's also got, the skills to be able to drop back in coverage so he can he can drop back to help the safeties or play a bit of corner but he's also got the the speed and explosiveness to to get through the line to the quarterback to to pressure sack and hurry so it's a it's a it's almost a no-brainer for me the fact that I think he's the best linebacker in the class mm-hmm. I, I love him in coverage he's outstanding in coverage and like you said you can you can play him off the edge as well now the Broncos pass rush has been one of the one of the strengths of the of the entire team in in recent years, but of course, old man Von Miller is is sort of in the twilight of his career now, and Parsons could well be you know the next leader on the defense. Um, how concerned are you about the the allegations of of bullying and other nefarious behaviour at Penn State? I mean, obviously, it's not it's not great. You know, you, these are the things that you, you don't want to see from your prospect coming out at all. But then we've seen in the past prospects who have had perhaps some of these things as a mark. They've turned out to to not have that trait in the NFL because they've grown up. And I suppose mm-hmm. as soon as you come out of college, unless you are extremely arrogant, you grow up quick because they're suddenly not boys you're tackling. They're big ass men and, and the game changes at such a pace that you need to learn from the men in front of you. But then we've seen the flip side of that with prospects who have had a checkered past in college. And I think I, I don't know how big a gap it is between 
Penaisaw and Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa for you, but for me, it's big enough to take the gamble on Michael Parsons. And the only reason I wouldn't is is if Penaisaw's there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So let's move on to ten. The Dallas Cowboys are making their pick. Our mate Tim from Full Ten is is going to make this pick, and we talked about it earlier, Tom. I've got some reservations, but here's Tim to make the pick for the Cowboys. With the tenth pick of the five yard rush at college mock draft, Dallas Cowboys select J.C. Horn, cornerback, South Carolina Gamecocks. He wears number one for a reason because he'll be the number one cornerback out of this class. Bit like deja vu from last year, but C.D. Lamb fell in our laps. Um, so yeah, we will pair him up with Trevon Diggs, who we selected in the second round last year. Big need for Dallas. Should fit Dan Quinn's scheme. Um, thank you very much. So right position, but not yeah. the not the guy you were expecting. Well, I mean, listen, I I haven't really done much watching of, of defensive players yet because they're not in the playbook. So I've dedicated my time to the offensive rookies, and everybody knows my love for Caleb Farley is 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 pretty high up there being a hokey you know it, it was sad to see him sit out last year but I understand it because of the health of his of his family and covid and then obviously the back issues are perhaps a concern depending on what you you think of them but I just JC Horn ahead of Patrick Satane I just can't I can't ever envision a world where I would make that pick I can see this happening you know <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, I, Stocks. Get on with it. <laughs> I feel, I feel, I feel the opposite to you. And the reason I feel this way is because I couldn't believe last year when the Jaguars took CJ Henderson, and that to me, you know, Henderson was like a late round, you know, late first guy. And JC Horn has crept up draft boards throughout this entire process. Yeah, I love JC Horn. When I was looking at. Kyle Pitts' tape, the only cornerback that could that could go toe-to-toe with him was JC Horn. I love his his strength, his aggression. There's there's a lot to fall in love with. And we know that with the Cowboys, if if Jerry, if Jerry loves you, Jerry's gonna go and get you. And although Patrick Satan for me is is the best cornerback, there is a lot to like about JC Horn. And if they believe that he is the right fit in that defensive backfield, I can completely see this coming. We spoke about Farley and he slides down the board a little bit in this mock draft. I'm not expecting Hall to be the first cornerback off the board, but I wouldn't fall off my sofa <laughs> like, like like last year when, when I saw Henderson going as a top 10 guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Henderson couldn't believe it either when he was picked. So. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know whether it was shock or disappointment, but it was one of the two. Yeah. Well, well, well. I mean, if JC Horn is the right fit for the Cowboys, not necessarily perhaps he's the best, but he's the best fit for them, then maybe you're right. Maybe I haven't given JC Horn enough love, but somebody who has had all the love from anybody related to any form of NFL draft fantasy or NFL for real is next off the board at number 11. The New York Giants are on the clock. Jack Humphrey from the Kickers Mad podcast is here to make the pick. With the 11th pick in the five-yard rush NFL UK mock draft, the New York Giants select Kyle Pitts, tight end, Florida. Kyle Pitts is a genetic freak, standing at six foot six, 245 pounds. For us, he's the best player in this draft that's not a quarterback. We couldn't believe our luck that he was still on the board at this point. He's an excellent route runner and a highly explosive player who will help our offense immensely. So it took 11 picks, Tom. 
But I know. Kyle Pitts is finally off the board. Yeah, and we're talking about you know positional value. This is probably a sensible spot for a tight end. Now I know Kyle Pitts is, as, and as Jack has rightly suggested, you know he, he isn't just another tight end, and he can line up on on the outside. I would be amazed if if he falls outside the top ten uh, in Thursday's draft. Jack couldn't believe that he'd fallen that far, and neither could I. I thought it was going to be an edge rusher here for the Giants, but Kyle Pitts can't slide any further than the New York if if he's there at eleven. No. <laughs> If he does, the next team on the clock could well take him because they love a tight end. And with that being said, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. And uh, it's Steve from Full 10 Yards. Over to you, Steve. With the selection of Patrick Zatane at number 12, the Eagles fill not only a major position of need, but also pick possibly the best player available. Uh, Zatane is arguably the best cornerback in the draft and represents a true upgrade on what they currently have in the cornerback position. They can slot him in nicely behind Darius Slay uh, and get him working as a true cornerback too, with the option to potentially move him over to that number one role when Darius Slay moves on in the future. Uh, Wide receiver was an option here, but I think with the option of Zatane, sitting there uh, it was too good to turn down for the Eagles well no surprise the Philadelphia Eagles well actually maybe maybe slight bit of surprise here I you know it's one of two for me cornerback or wide receiver and the Eagles couldn't let Satan fall any further I agree it's it's either defensive back or wide receiver and we've seen the run on the receivers it's too early for for the next receiver on on my uh, big board, which is uh, Rashad Bateman. So let's go and get what could be the best cornerback in this in this class. I mean, the the Eagles have struggled at defensive back pretty much since winning this since the year of the Super Bowl win. I, I don't think they won that without standing cornerback play. I think they won it despite the defensive backfield they had. So it's been a need for a long time. Patrick Satan doesn't have that that elite athleticism that that you would have said of. Caleb Farley prior to the uh, the surgery, but listen, he's an Alabama cornerback. You know, he's <laughs> he's he's had the Saban treatment, and everything suggests that he's going to slot right in at the NFL. Absolutely, uh, it's it's a pick of you, you nailed it right on the head. It's either cornerback or wide receiver, and as much as I love Bateman, this is another. You know, if he went there, I'd be absolutely horrified because. We've seen what happens to wide receivers who go to Philly. So I'm happy they went corner in this draft. Next up, the Los Angeles Chargers are on the clock and it's Josh from full 10 yards. With the 13th pick of the draft, I have the Los Angeles Chargers selecting Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle from Northwestern. Um, Realistically, offensive tackle's been on their list for at least a couple of years. Um, Next best up on the board, rated number two across most guides. Um, yeah, I think it's a really great uh, great fit for the Bolts this season as they uh, look to protect Justin Herbert so he has another month of the season. So the next tackle, Rayshon mm-hmm. Slater is off the board, Northwestern guy. This this is absolutely perfect to protect to protect their boy, right? This is the first pick that I, I don't think I like. Oh, uh, Tom, why not? Well, they've, they've signed Brian Belaga, right? Yeah. So that's your right tackle. Now, I'm not saying that Rishon Slater cannot transition to the other side of the line. And I'm, I don't know. But one guy that I do know can play left tackle is Christian Darasaw. And he is 
for me, the number two tackle on the board, I would have gone Darasaur ahead of Slater. Now, I don't know, is, is the intention for the Chargers there that, you know, with this pick that Bulaga at right tackle and Slater at right guard? And if it is, 13, 13's high to take to take a guard. I mean, I know we saw Quentin Nelson go very early uh, to the Colts a few years ago. For me, it's Darasaur here. Okay. No, no, I I think you're right. My was this pick made before Belaga was signed? That is a very good point because it wasn't until it wasn't until March that it happened. And so I think you you might be onto something there. Well Josh I mean, we could we could pretend we could pretend that it was after and that I was right the whole time, but I'm not sure that that'd be that'd be fair. Well that's fine. I'm happy to go with that. The, the, Josh you made an error, mate. Wrong tackle chosen. <laughs> yeah, if you you know you you haven't invented time travel, you haven't cracked it, and so exactly. and I, I, I do think I do think you've you've made a good point there. Yeah. I think this pick could have been made prior to the to the Belaga signing. So if that is the case, then I hold my hands up. I apologise. Yeah, but you can only go with the information put in front of you right now. But I think I think we together have come to the conclusion that tackle was is a the right tackle would have been a good pick at the time if Belaga wasn't there and if Belaga was there then I'm pretty sure he would have taken Darasaur here <laughs> so next up the Minnesota Vikings are on the clock at pick 14 this I, by the way this is my favorite video so uh, I haven't seen the video I've only heard the audio what does okay. the video look like oh it's, it, it, it wasn't for the video it was it was the enthusiasm for the pick you know sometimes when you see an ex-player comes out for a day three pick that was the that was the energy that was being brought to this one. This this was my favourite. So before you know, I could be completely wrong here, but I went to the live mock draft organised by Paul Brown in the Hippodrome Casino in London, and I was picking for Denver with my good friend Mikey, who's picking for the Cardinals, and he used to be the running backs coach for one of the London teams, and I think Dwight was one of his running backs. Okay, and he was there in a Vikings jersey. I, I could be completely wrong because I haven't seen the video so that I could be putting two to two together here and getting 53. <laughs> hey guys, my name is Dwight and I'm for the 40th pick for Minnesota Vikings. We're picking Gregory Rousseau. Reason being, this guy's an absolute beast. Like his last season, 15.5 sacks, a defensive end, B6 for something, 200, 267 pounds. Ouch. With the Minnesota Vikings, of course, it was a tough choice. Defensive-wise, they did so Bad, absolutely bad. He needed to pick the pick needed to be either D line or O line. So I'm picking this guy. Damn, school. This for me is an absolutely beautiful pick, Tom Gregory Russo, Edge from Miami. They they needed to put somebody opposite Daniel Hunter. I, I love it, and you know, Daniel Hunter obviously struggled with with injury last year. His mm-hmm. season was disrupted. But you can be creative with the Gregory Rousseau when you watch his tape at Miami. There's examples of him rushing up the middle as well as from the edge. He's raw. He needs time to develop, but he's got a great mentoring hunter. I love this pick because, okay, maybe maybe you'd be tempted with Darasol, but I love Rousseau's upside. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think another edge. I just think you you don't want you don't want Hunter to be having to do too much. As good as he is, you know, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. And mm-hmm. I think if you're asking too much of him, it's not going to be as effective as if you can put somebody like Rousseau opposite to, to take away some of the pressure from Hunter. I think it's perfect. So Dwight, home run pick that, mate. On to 15. 
The New England Patriots are on the clock. Matt Inkster's picking for them. Matt, over to you. With the 15th pick of the NFL 2021 draft, New England Patriots select Mac Jones, quarterback, Alabama. We really need a quarterback to at least rival Newton. He was on the board, so I decided to pick him. I'm surprised he was there, but since he was, we had to take him. So, Tom, the most Tom Brady-like quarterback ends mm-hmm. up in New England. If you, if you are trying to build Belichick, if you're trying to replicate what you did with Tom Brady, Mac Jones is is pretty much as close as you're going to get in this draft class. Yeah, and, you know, I, I feel like I've got to clarify my position on Mac Jones. By no means do I hate him. He's a good quarterback. He's just not Justin Fields, and, and it really is as, as simple as that for me. I think this this isn't good news for New England. If if New England fans are, are watching this this mock draft and thinking they don't have to go up and get Mac Jones, uh, they shouldn't interpret it that way. The fact that he's fallen suggests that there is this chunk of teams from from Detroit down at seven, which are if this if Mac Jones is falling, come and trade with us. And it's not just going to be New England in the market. We're going to see Washington, Chicago possibly even, I don't know, maybe a Pittsburgh. There will be teams that, that are tempted to come up and take Mac Jones and, and, and stash him. And so New England fans, don't get too excited that this means you don't have to move up to get your quarterback. You may still have to, but it's it's quite obvious for New England where, where the need is long-term. I think it's smart to bring Cam Newton back. I don't think he's finished with the NFL he needed time to get used to to the Bill Belichick system. And of course, COVID disrupted his year as well. And so I, I think it's a smart move to, to bring him back. And and with Mac Jones coming in to, to back up in his first year and he's ready to go in year two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I agree. I I think we, what we've heard today with the Panthers accepting calls from teams around the league, they're definitely in the market to move down unless perhaps Penny Saul is there, like we said. So if Denver don't want to go up and get him, I, th- I think somebody will just because of how many teams are a bit QB needy, especially if you want to let him, like you say, sit behind someone, which they could well do at the Patriots and, and Washington and even the Bears with Andy Dalton now. So anybody could be in, in position to move up. So it's going to be interesting. Night one is going to be a whole lot of fun. So... That moves us on to pick 16. The Arizona Cardinals are on the clock. And over to my boy Mikey to make their pick. With the 16th pick in the NFL draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Najee Harris, uh, running back from Alabama. Originally, we were going to go for a corner, but both of the top corner prospects, Patrick Sertain and JC Horn, were taken earlier. Uh, We didn't want to go for a corner that wasn't at the top. So after losing Kenyon Drake, our first choice running back to Las Vegas, it made sense to go for the top running back prospect in the country, Najee Harris. 6'2", 230 pounds, great maneuverability, very high ceiling. Najee Harris from Alabama. So we should preface this by saying this pick was made before James Connor was selected, mm-hmm. uh, no, sorry, brought in by the Arizona Cardinals. The Najee Harris made his way to Arizona. Mikey, obviously being a running back coach, was <laughs> probably going to take a running back <laughs> here regardless. But I mean, it's not for... I guess for fantasy and real life purposes, Najee Harris isn't going to see all of the ball with James Connor and Chase Edmonds there. But long term, Connor's, I think Connor signed a one year deal, didn't he? So I don't hate it overall. It just makes me feel sad for the universe that Arizona went out and got James Connor. Because mm. 
that that Arizona offense is exciting, and and adding the explosive power of Najee Harris to that offense would be a beautiful thing. So I, you know, bringing James Conner in probably means this isn't going to be the pick now, and that is a real shame for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, but then stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. So seventeen, the Las Vegas Raiders are on the clock. And Ollie from PFN is here to make their pick. Hi, guys. It's Oliver Hodgkinson from Pro Football Network and the College Chaps podcast. Big thank you to the Five Yard Rush team for having me on um, again this year to make the pick on behalf of the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, with the 17th overall pick in this mock draft, the Las Vegas Raiders select Jeremiah Awuso Paramala, linebacker from Notre Dame University. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders are the wild card of the NFL draft. You look at Cleveland Thorrell in 2019 with the fourth overall pick. You look at Damon Arnett with the 19th overall pick in last year's NFL draft. There could be any number of ways that the Raiders could go, and it would not surprise me if they made a a large reach for a guy like Richie Grant out of UCF for safety there. Um, certainly a massive need to address the offensive line after the uh, off-season moves that they've made. But for me, you could take a guy like Jeremiah Russo Paramara. Think back to last year's draft. Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson, the linebacker-safety hybrid that blows the traditional lines between what those two positions do, what size you would technically look for in those positions. Jeremiah Russo Paramara is that guy in this year's NFL draft class. He's a guy that can come down, field, hit you hard, be impactful in the running game, get after the passer, but he also got that coverage ability that you want out of a linebacker that comes from his time playing safety. Um, you look at the things he can bring to the football field. You look at the game he played against Clemson last year where Notre Dame shocked the number one team in the country. Awuso Koromaro was the guy, the heartbeat of that defence. Two and a half uh, tackles for loss, a forced fumble, a touchdown. Uh, he just These are the things that he brings to the field. He's an incredibly powerful and strong um, defensive uh, defensive player, an incredibly um, impressive coverage player from that linebacker position. And a lot of people will go, well, Isaiah Simmons didn't do all that well in the NFL last year. Well, it's about how you use a guy like this. You plug him in wherever you can make him work for you, and he's going to be the leader of that defense on a, a team that so desperately needs uh, a defensive leader. So with Micah Parsons gone, the Raiders decided to also go linebacker and Jeremiah Awusu-Koromoa was their selection out of Notre Dame. Tom? I like this guy. (laughs) I really, really like JOK. Um, To me, he he exudes Patriot. He looks like a Bill Belichick player to me. Maybe that's why why the Patriots fan picked him. I love his, his his lateral speed and the ball carrier is must be terrified when when they see a Wusu <laughs> Koromoa coming for him. I mean, he hits hard. So I know that this has been a popular pick for the Raiders to go linebacker. I've seen a lot of mock drafts there. The O line needs an overhaul. They're moving to a, a zone blocking scheme, but I don't think the value is going to be here. When in in likelihood, one of those two top linebackers is going to be there. So smart choice in terms of need and positional value. Yeah, I would just you know don't at me, Rush Nation or anybody who's listening. I know it's Notre Dame. I was just reading and I read it as Notre Dame. So I'm really <laughs> sorry. It is Notre Dame. I know that, 
Let's move on to 18. It's the Miami Dolphins. Lee, you're back on the clock. The 18th pick, the Miami Dolphins against Aziz Ojalari, um, Ed Rusher from Georgia. Um, I think he's really the only position we didn't address in the offseason, um, or at least try to address in the offseason so far. And with my favourite player being off the board here um, in Najee Harris, I think ideally I'd like to have traded out, but with no trades in this, I mean, it just seemed to make sense to to address a position of need. So Aziz Ojolari is the pick. And this was a shocker, Tom. The Dolphins selected Aziz Ojolari, edge mm-hmm. from Georgia. I spoke to Lee about this because, you know, there's Quitty Pay. There's also another edge that I'm forgetting. The Phillips chap from Miami. Jalen Phillips, yeah. yeah. So I said to Lee, you know, what's happening here? And he basically said that he personally has Aziz Ojolari really high. And they wanted to go edge because Najee Harris was gone. Like we said earlier, Lee really wants a running back and he really, really wants Najee Harris. So he said Aziz Ojolari was his man. He had a great year in 2020 for the Bulldogs. He was he was probably the, the highlight of their year. He's got great bend and speed off the edge. I'm not, I mean, I know Lee's going to be disappointed that his, his running back is there. I'm not entirely sure what Miami are going to do at, at pick 18 if, if it isn't running back. I think this could be another opportunity if, if they if they want to for Miami to, to trade down. Yeah, I mean, we've heard them, you know, they're possibly thinking about trading back now from that sixth pick that they traded up to get uh, from Philly. So I, I just think that's that's the, the culture at Miami now. It's, you know, if you want to make us a mind-blowing offer, then we'll answer the phone and it's worked out very well for them recently. And and if they don't move down from the sixth, then if, if Najee Harris is off the board, I think we might see them moving back. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed, Tom, you didn't, you didn't scream, go dogs and do a load of barking then considering <laughs> you're now a bulldog, but I'll let, I'll, I'll let that one go. Oh, on to pick 19, the Washington football team are on the clock and uh, our boy Simo from Five Yard and the BFFL is on the clock. Simo, over to you for your pick, mate. With the 19th pick in a Five Yard Rush 2021 mock draft, the Washington football team select Tevin Jenkins, tackle, Oklahoma State. Aggressive, powerful player, nasty in the tackles, he can read linebackers from the snap, smooth across the line on pass protection, and his blocking is superb on run plays. Um, he can play left or right, um, and we need to bolster our offensive line, and he's just a good pick um, at this number. And let's be honest, moving forward, whoever our long-term quarterback is going to be, he's going to need some protection, and I think this is a good start. So, without, you know, no surprise really here. Washington not able to move up due to no trade clause in this mock. Mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle, Oklahoma State. It's a great pick to predict not only what they've got, but future investment. Yeah, the quarterbacks are off the board by this point. Obviously, as you said, Washington can't go up and, and get them. So protect the quarterback of the future before you know who that is. Now, I've already mentioned Christian Darasol still there on the board, but you know, from my conversations with Simo, I know he loves this guy and he is an aggressive player. Um, you wouldn't think so. Have you seen the the picture from his, his roster picture at Oklahoma State? I haven't. Oh, he's he just got this lovely boyish smile, boyish grin. 
He's got some very sensible spectacles on, and then you watch him on the football field, and he's a mauler. He he loves the physical side of the game. He's risen up draft boards to the point where he's pretty much a surefire first round pick now. And I know that 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 Simo has a, a special place in his heart for Jenkins. And it, for me, it makes sense. Obviously, you've got the the Fitzpatrick experience for a year. I think Washington fans just you know buy a ticket and hold on tight because it's going to be fun. <laughs> Um, but let's yeah let, let's start protecting the quarterback of the future before we know who that is yeah I mean Tom you mentioned you know sensible glasses and a, a cheesy grin it could almost be me and him you know basically the same if, if you're watching this on video it, it, I would be a mauler on the field as well that's all I can say <laughs> yeah I mean there's, there's only about I'd say 90 110 pounds difference between you but apart from that it's pretty close I mean, if there was two of me, we could we could consider it maybe. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. That's pick twenty, isn't it? Two stocks. Yeah, that's true. Two of me. A bargain. I only need half paying. Uh, on to twenty, Chicago Bears. Ben from. Let me just get this right because Ben is pretty much everywhere. He At is. tweets from Ben, the Nat Kim Show, NFL History Book Top, Com, and Talksport. Ben is picking for the Bears. Ben, over to you. Hi, I'm Ben Isaacs. And I selected Christian Darasaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech, for the Chicago Bears at number 20. The Bears obviously have a massive need for a quarterback, but there were no first-round pick-worthy quarterbacks still on the board at 20. So I went with another area of need, offensive line. It was a coin flip, really, between that and wide receiver, and I just felt there was more talent on offensive line available than there, were, than there was a wide receiver. Darasaw is one of the best offensive linemen in, in the college game. His run blocking is phenomenal. His pass protection just was getting better and better. He's the sort of cornerstone left tackle that you can build your offensive line around, and I expect him to be a starter very soon in the NFL. It's obviously not the sexiest of picks. Fans want it to be um, an exciting skill player as, the, as their team's first pick. But here I went value. And I know Bears fans won't be thrilled, but I think it was the sensible choice. So he's he's made it. He's finally off the board. Christian Darasaw, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. Go Hokies. Yeah. I mean, first of all, let's check out the GM. You know, I thought that, that, that you know, the Chicago Bears front office was supposed to be on the hot seat. And there's Ben, Merch on, sunshine in the background, shades on and not a care in the world. Now, Tom, you've seen all these videos. In one of the videos, it appears that somebody is either outside at a football or sporting event in the rain, or there's some sort of sizzling or motorway noise. It could well be Ben. I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I think Ben Ben did send a text to me to say that there was some sort of barbecue or, or there was Sunday roast being prepared. But, you know, that just fits with the... Uh, just the the laid back aura that we were getting from the Bears, and I know Ben said that this is an unpopular but a sensible choice for the Bears, but for me, it's it's glaringly obvious. This is great value, Darasaur at pick twenty. And again, if you're going to miss out on the quarterback sweepstakes, then get the next best thing, which is protect an average quarterback. Now, that's that's not a personal slight at Andy Dalton, but how dare you? Know, you? <laughs> Bears, Bears fans, Bears fans aren't going to want Dalton for for much more than this year, and and I understand that. So. You know, if you can't get the guy, then get guys that are going to protect the person who who isn't. See, uh, I think the need at cornerback here for the Bears is much bigger 
an offensive line I, mm-hmm. just because of what they've lost. And I think Caleb Farley here is a value for the Bears at 20. Um, but Ben, Ben, you know, Ben's knowledge is superior to mine. So I bow in your direction, sir. Lovely pick. Let's move on to 21. The Indianapolis Colts are on the clock. Nate from the Un-American Football Show. You're on the clock, buddy. Over to you. Hi, this is Nate from the Un-American Football Show. With the 21st pick of the five-yard rush 2021 mock draft, the 2021 AFC South champions, the Indianapolis Colts, select edge rusher Quitty Pay out of Michigan. With Nico Autry heading across the division to the Titans and Justin Houston remaining unsigned, DeForest Buckner needs some help up front. The explosive 6'4", 277-pound Quitty Pay brings some much-needed presence to the line. He's terrifyingly fast and he's incredibly physical. Pay's production should continue on its upward trajectory and help him realise his high ceiling. So many people's number one edge, Quitty Pay, ends up on the Indianapolis Colts, Tom. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't the pick I was expecting. I, I certainly wasn't expecting Pay to still be on the board. I think, as I said previously, he could go as, as high as pick 11 to the Giants. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is the biggest need for the Colts at edge rusher? Man, I mean, the Colts, A, I think they're they're pretty well stacked all over the field when it comes to talent. They're very similar to the Tennessee Titans mm-hmm. in that respect, I think. I think, and then B, in mock drafts, I've literally paid zero attention <laughs> to what the Indianapolis Colts are doing. So I have no idea who they've selected in any mock drafts I'm in. I think this is this could possibly be the first sort of luxury pick where perhaps Quitty Pay's fallen too far and they've just thought, perhaps we don't need an edge rusher here, but Pay's so good, we've mm-hmm. got to take him. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have a soft spot for the Colts. I, I backed them to, to be a sneaky bet to win the AFC last year and, and there's been nothing in this offseason to suggest that that I'm not going to have a soft spot for them next year. And like you said, Quitty Pay on that edge just... Strengthens what what's what's already an interesting defense, and and I think this is the best player on the board for them at, at this stage. Absolutely. Uh, did uh, did Justin Houston return to the Colts? Is he still there? Do you know? Or I think so. Yeah, the the only reason I think so is because I'm, I'm sure I've got him in an IDP league, and uh, he's still there. He's still there on my roster. I haven't I haven't seen fit to, to get rid of him. So you're talking. All... Always back to fantasy, Tom. That's why we love it, right? I'm doing my best. You know, you know. This this is when I'm out my depth when we start talking about fantasy. So, <laughs> if I sprinkle a couple of references in there, people might might just assume I know what I'm talking about. No, no, no you, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. It's like me. I'm I'm just basically uh, winging my way through this entire mock draft, Tom, and I'm I'm hanging onto your coattail. So we can swap roles. We can swap roles. So in number twenty two. We talked about the Colts uh, being complete. The Tennessee Titans are now on the clock. And um, with with several players leaving, this pick is... I, I'm a massive fan of this one. And, and Adam from the Long Snapper podcast is here to, to make that pick. This is Titans GM Adam Foxcroft reporting from the Hertfordshire War Room. With the 22nd pick of the five-yard rush mock draft, the Tennessee Titans select Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. Now, receiver has become a big area of need for the Titans and it's going to be great to see A.J. Brown have some help. A.J. Brown's going to get some attention. 
And from everything I'm seeing about Bateman, he's going to have a lot of fun where the coverage is distracted by the number one receiver of the team. Um, it's going to be great to see how he works out for the Titans. So Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota, lands up in Tennessee. I like this pick, Tom. Me too. Uh, my initial thoughts going into the draft was that this team needed a, a presence on the edge, but this is this is a, a plug-and-play replacement for Corey Davis. You know, I feel for Tennessee because they had to wait a little while to see the best of, of Corey Davis, and he was on track for a thousand thousand yard year this this year, uh, or the year just gone prior to prior to an injury that disrupted him at the end of the year. But for me, Rashad Bateman, yes, he's he's smaller than Davis, but he's he's a tenacious runner. You could use him as an X or or on intermediate routes as well. He plays bigger than six foot for me. I know a lot of people were shocked to see him to measure in at, at just six foot. And he's got the ability to get those yards after the catch, which is what they're going to miss with with Davis leaving for New York. Yeah. I mean, we talk about yards after the catch. I think something I saw a stupid stat about AJ Brown's touchdowns today. Like 11 of his career touchdowns have come from 30 yards or more out or something stupid like that. So they've definitely got yards after the catch that side of the field. But I think Bateman is an absolutely stunning ad opposite AJ Brown. And you you covered it beautifully. I think he can work inside, outside. He does it all when I think his pro day numbers were down for a reason. You know, perhaps the COVID caused some weight loss. And when he comes back to the NFL, we see that the, the weight's back on. And he can bully players. He can straight up bully defenders. And he's got superb arm skills in order to box people out and stuff. So I think, I think wherever Bateman lands, he's going to be sort of slept on a little bit. So, Tom... Pick 23, the New York Jets are back on the clock. Over to you, sir. Hey, guys, it's me again. It's Joe. With our second pick in the first round, thank you, Seattle, the New York Jets select cornerback Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech. This was quite an easy pick to make despite news of Farley's injury. Medical reports seem to have come back positive. We're delighted to be getting a player here of his value and his potential at pick number 23. Of course, the news of his herniated disc has frightened some franchises off, but their loss is our gain. Medical reports suggest that he is ready to make a full recovery. And if this pick were to be made on talent and potential, and if we were to ignore these injury concerns, then he wouldn't be on the board here at 23. Cornerback is a position that we did not address in free agency, and we desperately need new blood at the outside corner position. We believe Farley can do that. If injuries get the better of him, then we're always able to spend draft capital next year and address the position then. Well, Tom, this this, this is this is huge value. I, I, I left a large gap there to uh, build suspense. <laughs> you jumped ahead of me. You ruined it. But yeah, my boy Caleb Farley, is, <laughs> he's gone. And I think, <laughs> don't ruin him. <laughs> I mean... There is there is a chance that, that that he could well be ruined already, and 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 that that's a really difficult thing to say about such a talented player. I mean, a, a herniated disc, which wasn't. I mean, Farley's agent seemed to suggest that because this was done in in lifting, you know, this was done in the gym rather than than on the field. They were trying to suggest that this was good news, that this wasn't a football injury, and therefore it would be something that he recovers from. 
I love Caleb Farley. I mean, he can come up into the box. He loves a tackle. He, he, he's strong in the tackle. He's got elite speed and athleticism. And as you said, value for the Jets here, I think, at 23. I would not be surprised to see to see him fall just because of concerns surrounding that injury. And, and as I said in the in, in the video, the Jets have got the draft capital to, to go again at the position either this year or, or again next year. So do you think... Obviously, we both feel that value here at 23 is a great pick for Farley to, to end up as a Jets. Do you think it could actually happen? Do you think if he is there at 23, which I think is too late, I mean, I, I understand the injury, but I think you, you're you drafting a cornerback here with whose upside is yet to be seen. If uh, I've, I've listened to several podcasts now where they they talk about his upside and his playing skills and the fact that he's, he's only done it for two years converting from wide receiver. But what we've seen from him in those two years suggests that his ceiling is, is still, you know, it's not even within reach. His ceiling is so high that perhaps he should be a, you know, a top 10 pick. We saw it last year with uh, the guy who went to the lions, whose name now escapes me, Tom cornerback. Jeff Akuda. That's the one, Jeff Akuda. We We saw it in, last year and everyone was waxing lyrical about him and he struggled so perhaps maybe I'm jumping jumping the gun a little bit with Caleb Farley but I think I think you just have to if you're desperate at cornerback and it is one of those you know we see it with Tredavious White and uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Jalen Ramsey when you do get a generational corner they impact the game so much yeah they they change secondaries on their own. And I know secondaries are either three, four or five guys on the field at once. But I mean, when you get somebody who is that influential, where you just basically don't see the ball go their way. And when they do, there's a huge chance of an interception or just a pass deflected. The upside for me is way too much. So I think, I think if he's there at 23 and you don't take him, I'd be hugely shocked. I'd be, I'd be disappointed. I mean, I, I would be happy if, if the Jets were to take a Greg Newsom at, at this stage at 23. So if Farley's on the board and the Jets pass on him, I would be, I'd be very disappointed. And another thing to say is the, the leader of the, of the Jets defense of the Jets secondary left. And, and that's why we've got this pick. And I think that Farley could well be that replacement in terms of a, a leader and a talisman on defense. Mm. And when it comes to nastiness, he's very much similar to, to Adams and, and absolutely stuff, so. he's got the attitude I mean one of the favorite things about watching Caleb Farley is those celebrations after he after he brings a guy down behind the line of scrimmage you know he, he loves to have an impact on the game um, and he loves the defensive side of the game for a converted wide receiver so if yeah. he's there at 23 and the Jets take him I might be doing my first cartwheel in, in a very long time well I love myself a defensive jersey Tom so if Caleb Farley winds up at the Jets at 23, I may have to get myself one of those Ooh. nice new green jerseys. They are very good, aren't they? They I are. I do like the stealth black, though. I, I'd recommend the stealth black. Yeah, but blacks... You know me, Tom. Black's black, man. I mean... Yeah. Maybe. Okay. All right. Well, well if, if you're, you... you know, get, get one of each. Get one of each, and wow. you can have one, okay. one for an alternate Sunday. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Possibly. So from one half of five-yard college to the other... Ash is picking for the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24. Ash, you're on the clock, mate. Good afternoon, Rush Nation. It is Ash from Five Yard College here, representing the Pittsburgh Steelers. And with the 24th overall pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Pittsburgh Steelers select running back 
Javante Williams out of UNC. Reason for the selection here is despite the needs on the offensive line, um, there's no denying the Steelers' run game last year was putrid um, and needs an instant impact to player um someone just to take it to the next level obviously with connor gone and a uh, a few running backs that aren't really the the main guy what williams offers is all-round gameplay um he's a big-bodied running back that will power through and rarely gets taken for a loss he'll he'll, he'll push forward for those extra yards um, but he's also very um effective in the blocking game the pass blocking game which obviously big big ben is going to need and the reception game, he just offers that um, that extra little bit that you want from a, an all-round running back. Um, so there's there's two ways that they can go here. Um, it is obviously that Williams will be the number one with uh, the likes of uh, McFarlane, Samuel, uh, Snell stepping in as the relief players, or they could stick to a committee approach to save the legs on Williams, which I don't think he needs because he had that split at UNC. Um, he So he definitely has the capabilities of being a, an all-round, every-down running back um, and will be an instant boost for this um, offense. Um, so, the, yeah, running back was the decision here, um, especially with the depth in the offensive tackle and the offensive line as a whole in this draft class. Thank you very much. Uh, been a pleasure to be a part of this as always, and I will see you all very soon. Now, Tom, I know that Javonte Williams is your running back too. He was Ash's selection for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was, and obviously because it's Ash, I've got to say that I hate it. Right? <laughs> I can't. T- I can't tell you that I like this pick. No, this um, is this is Switzerland. This is this is a neutral ground. You can, you can tell him. <laughs> you like it. So. I knew Ash was going to go Javante Williams here because he it's, it's Ash's uh, running back one. And when we did our last version of the top 100, we argued over Javante Williams and Najee Harris. Um, he he won that one and, and he got to put Williams as his, as his RB1 on the top 100. But there is a lot to like about this guy. One thing that I would say, and Ash knows the Steelers far better than I do, but what I've seen in recent drafts is that Pittsburgh Pittsburgh take running backs on, on day two. You know, we see somebody like an Anthony McFarland. I think uh, Anthony McFarland went on in the third round last year. I might have, I might have um, overestimated that pick. I really like Javante Williams, but I do think that the Steelers would address the offensive line here and then uh, go running back on, on, on day two. But because this is Ash playing the role of GM, I am not surprised because Javante Williams is his guy in this draft class. So I think your logic is right. But when I was doing Javante, like, I love Javante Williams. He's my number three behind Etienne just because I think Etienne's ceiling could be frighteningly high in the NFL if he lands in the right place. Now, Javante Williams was a close third. When I was thinking about players who Javante Williams is very similar to, mm-hmm. I thought Lev Bell. Like Javante Williams and Lev Bell were very, very similar in running style. And Lev Bell was great in Pittsburgh, so why not pick up another Lev Bell? Yeah, I think Williams has more of a freight train style to him. Um, but that, that's what pops out on, on the tape. I mean, his contact balance is incredible and defenders just bounce right off him. Yeah. 
Well, I, I you know, I, I don't hate it overall. I don't and if it. Big Ben continues his regression, then let's just give him 20, 25 touches a game and, and see how they get on. Well, as long as they fix some of that offensive line trouble, otherwise they're going to break Javante. <laughs> <laughs> so Jacksonville Jaguars are back on the clock at 25 and our man Patrick is returning to make that pick. With the 25th overall pick of the 2021 draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman from USC. Given the state of the Jaguars roster, we can pretty much afford to pick best player available and will likely to hit a hole in the current squad. Elijah fits that bill for me very nicely. He's a very strong, athletic, offensive lineman, played predominantly at left tackle, which is probably our second weakest position on the line. And if he can't displace his man there, then we have a severe problem at right guard, which he could definitely fill. So drafting a player to protect Trevor Lawrence and avoid ending up in the Joe Burrow at the Bengals injury table situation seems like um, a sensible move to me with this pick. So you pick up a shiny new toy mm-hmm. and then you go and get yourself a decent box to put him in. Elijah Vera Tucker, guard, USC. Makes perfect sense. Completely agree. Th- th- those are the first words I wrote on my notes make sense full stop you know Patrick and I have had a conversation um in, in, a, in a text message about Jacksonville's situation and when he was running through their needs I replied with that Spider-Man meme for the Jets it seemed <laughs> to be you know in a word everywhere now as you said you know Vera Tucker he's got that versatility you you've put you've listed him there as a guard and I, and I know that Patrick mentioned him there as well but there's nothing to say that he couldn't play either tackle position just from your point of view stocks mm-hmm. would you be tempted to go for a sexier pick or or do you think lines the one i think uh, i mean i think it's i think it's the one i think it's it it makes the most sense from a franchise point of view. I think we've seen, it, I don't think it really matters how generational your quarterback is. Mm-hmm. You can only take so many hits. I mean, we've seen it with Andrew Luck and, you know, he took so many hits that one day he just decided he didn't want to play football anymore when still in the prime of his career. Yeah. And it isn't sexy, but, we all know that sensibility in drafting and adding free agency at either line, you know, battles are won in the trenches. Teams win from being built in the trenches. When you, when you look at a team who, for instance, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their defensive line is ridiculous. Um, And that was one of the main reasons, you know, Murph will argue with me here that, that there was other ways, the reasons they won the game, but their defense was so good last year. Tom Brady could go out and be Tom Brady. Um, you look at someone like the Colts' offensive line. Their offensive line is so good, it enables them to do things that perhaps they shouldn't be able to do with the weapons that they don't necessarily have. So I think it is, it's a sensible pick. Perhaps maybe maybe some sort of edge rusher here if the good guys hadn't gone. Saying that, Phillips hasn't gone. So... Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think anything along the offensive line, there isn't a wide receiver. If there was a value pick at wide receiver, maybe that would be a tasty add here to to give Trevor Lawrence another weapon. But they've got TJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. There's enough there, isn't there? Yeah, and they don't need a running back with James Robinson. A running back here would be a luxury pick. So the only thing... They've got pick 33 as well, you know, so I, I certainly don't hate taking Vera Tucker here. He's... 
he's, he's going to improve that line absolutely. And he's like I said, he's got that versatility that they can utilise. And I suppose that you know they're picking again in in eight picks time to to, to improve maybe goal defence later on. I'm not sure, well, but my only thought here, Tom, is if the board was exactly the way it is, Travis Etienne is still on the board here, mm-hmm. and and do you give your quarterback his his like my best mate from college, running back friend? And and then go guard in in eight or nine picks time, however many it is. So that was my favourite thing to do in some of the the early mock drafts. You know, if if anyone listening wants to go back to to some of the mock drafts that we put on the site in in November, um, I was saying to Jacksonville, you know, if you can if you get Trevor Lawrence, if you win this sweepstake, pick Travis Etienne up. Uh, they might get away with waiting until pick thirty three, but like you said, he's on the board here at twenty five and. I wouldn't be against a reunion. I, no, I, I think, I don't know if there's a, a market out here for, in the betting world, but if, if you think running backs, especially last year, apart from you know the end of round one where CEH went to the, the Chiefs because Mahomes said, I want that guy, running backs went later. Um, I think there's, once you get past the Steelers, if if perhaps Harris does go indeed to the Dolphins and then the Steelers decide to take Williams or let's just play devil's advocate as it is now, there isn't a team between the Steelers and the Jags picking at 33 that I necessarily think running back. I don't think any of them scream to me that they will pick a running back. Now, I know there is a running back later on with in, in this one with Etienne going, but can you see it between between pick 25 and... 33? No. There's there's one team, maybe. But, no. So maybe maybe Patrick's plan all along was Jacksonville, you know, to go offensive guard at 25 and then Etienne at 33. And get the guy, yeah. In which case, Patrick, I tip my hat to you, sir. Well played. Let's move on. Cleveland Browns are on the clock at pick 26. And our boy Jack from the Paul Brown podcast is making that pick. Jack, over to you, my man. With the 26th pick of the NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns tried to trade down. I was ringing through the phone book. Unfortunately, I didn't have any of the other GM's phone numbers. So hit them up on Twitter. No answer. It was a perfect board for the Browns to go down. There wasn't anyone they were in love with. They wouldn't have minded quickly pay if he was still there, but he went a few picks early. So the question was, what do they do? And there was lots of corners. There was a few different ones that took interest. And where the Browns are at the minute, it's edge or it's corner. None of the edges were left that they were in love with. Um, so Pay had gone four, five picks earlier to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so that had more or less taken that off the board. There is a shot that they go with Phillips. But unfortunately, I'm not a doctor. So I, I took that one off the board, um, but I could certainly see them take that in real life if they've got more information as a team um, or if it comes out later in the draft process. So I was basically down to corners at this point, and there was a few different options. The ideal scenario, hey, trade back. Whether you go to the end of the first round, maybe get a future third, um, you go sort of all the way back where I would love to be at that mid-40s, get that extra second for 2022, and then you can just take a selection of what's there. But the sort of corners that stuck out for me 
um, was Greg Newsom and Asante Samuel. Um, you've got some other ones there as well, Stokes and Melafonwu. Um, but they're basically the four. Um, we were never interested in Farley because of the back concerns. And it then comes down to the height question. And this is tough to know for the Browns because we've got Greedy Williams, who was okay in the first year, out last year with a nerve injury. He's 6'2". We've got our other corners. They're quite small. Denzel Ward, 5'11". Troy Hill, who's slot corner, have just signed 5'10". So the question is, hey, do we have the height to match up against Chase Claypool in the division? You've got Higgins over in Cincinnati. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, the Ravens bring in someone taller there. We need someone that can match up with those. So um, that sort of question, if Greedy's healthy, hey, he's 6'2", he can do those games. Um, If not, they might need to double dip here. Um, Maybe they try to find someone like Gary and Conley, six foot, gives them an option in free agency. So out of the three, I would say Sante Samuel Jr. is the most talented player. Um, But he's 5'10", 184 pounds, Florida State Seminoles. Um, He allowed 179 yards in eight games, only a pass rating of 46.2. So very, very, very talented. Um, got Greg Newsom, who's much bigger. You've got um, guys gone out of my head. Uh, Melafonwu, who's Obi's brother. Um, Stokes is there as well, but I, I think they're what they're looking at. Ideally, yeah, you flip back to 45, 46, 44, and you just take who's best. Um, but we had to take someone. So I went out of the box and I went, hey, Greedy's looking good. Let's go for the best of the bunch for me, and that's Asante Samuel Jr. Hopefully, we're not regretting Chase Paul Claypool running all over us. But that's where I went for the Browns. Check out the Paul Brown podcast. We do 15 minutes of Browns content every single day. Keep up the great work, lads. All the best. Peace out. So Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback, mm-hmm. Florida State. I, I didn't see this over Greg Newsom, if I'm honest. Me neither. And I didn't see this over... A linebacker or or an edge rusher. Um, obviously, he mentioned he wanted to trade back because there wasn't anyone that he loved at this position, and yeah. so I guess you know you you're in a straitjacket in that sense. I know that recently Greg Newsom has been the pick, but Asante Samuel Jr. has had a lot of love right from his from his sophomore year, and of course, you know that we don't know how much NFL franchises value. That, that family connection because, you know, these guys will know from, you know, Asante Samuel Jr. will know what it takes to succeed in in the big league. So, you know, considering this wasn't a pick he necessarily wanted to make here, I, I, I don't think it's a terrible one. Yeah. No, I, I, again, my cornerback knowledge is, is pretty slim after Caleb Farley, if I'm honest. So, yeah, Jack Jackson analytics guy. So I think he definitely would have wanted to trade back here and, and get some value later on. Moving on, somebody else who wanted to trade back, pick 27, the Baltimore Ravens. In in this dude's chat, he suggested that he would definitely have moved back. Adam from the 99 yards, over to you to explain your pick, sir. Hello, I'm Adam Barton. I'm making the pick for the Ravens. And pick is in, although I have to be honest, we've been waiting by the phone throughout the draft, uh, hoping for someone to, hoping for a big partner. Uh, to trade out to the first round and uh, get a bit of value, uh, but no one was was calling, and 
unfortunately uh, when I, I have to do trades in this uh, in, in this mock the, the pick Kadarius Tony uh, wide receiver out of Florida uh, and I'll come to the justification for that in a minute but just to go through some of the, the bigger needs for, for the Ravens uh, Ned Rocho is, is probably the key one having lost Matt Judon and again I can't quite flaming out after his trade in the agency while they do have Bill and Ferguson and Tyus Bowser who have been developing nicely as, as pass rushers a premier pass rusher would be ideal to help the Ravens get, get over the top and fight with the, the cream of the crop in the AFC. Uh, interior offensive line, having lost Marshall Yonder last year, they, they need to bolster that to help improve the running game and help Lamar Jackson um, as a, as a, develop as a parter. There's also the snap issues that, that they had throughout the season, so drafting a centre would be key, but there's no one particularly available uh, at this spot. And wide receiver, which is what we went with. They're lacking the, the true superstar, uh, and it was well documented their struggles to uh, pick up a, a big name wide receiver free agency. So the only way they can get uh, big name talent is uh, through through the draft. <clears throat> Looking at the board, we we're hoping that Elijah Veritas would fall to us, which he very nearly did before the Jags snagged him. Uh, he would have uh, offered great versatility to the Ravens' offensive line, being able to play four different positions. Would enable Bradley Bozeman to move into centre and fix that issue and, and give the Ravens a bit of versatility across the line if they have injury issues as they did uh, last season and with the uh, all, with Orlando Brown requesting a trade. The main edge prospects are already gone. Kitty uh, Pay went to the Colts, Cesar Delari to the Dolphins, and Greg Rousseau to the Vikings. So they're, they're off the board. Uh, and the main wide receiver prospects, they've they've long gone. Jamarte Taylor, model, Devon Smith, then they were never going to fall to the Ravens anyway. Uh, but Rashad Bateman went to the Titans just to fuel that rivalry just that bit further. <laughs> the If the board fell uh, the way it has, I'd expect the Ravens to look for a trade. And uh, they're very regularly, they very regularly uh, trade out to the back of the back end of the first round just to uh, get that bit more value, particularly as they only have six picks in this draft. They want to pick up a, a few uh, few more picks if they can. <clears throat> One option that I think could be a possibility, which would be very almost anti-Raven, would be to uh, look at drafting Galen Phillips. Obviously, he's a, a boom or bust player, but it's an opportunity to get the best uh, pass rusher in the draft. But with his his injury issues and particularly concussions, meaning that he's one player away from retirement at any time. I don't see the, the Ravens doing that, but it would be a, a great opportunity to get the best pass rusher in the draft and, and really uh, push the Ravens over the top if they, if they can. So with that in mind, with, with the trade out uh, and the best players out uh, at the positions of, of need, it goes to the best player available quality. And wild safety, uh, Trevor Morrick would be a great addition to uh, bolster an already strong secondary, as he has a similar grade to Kadarius Tony. We decided to go with the uh, with with Tony as it addresses a need as well as having a similar grade to uh, to Morig. <clears throat> He's an explosive playmaker. Uh, he's uh, and the Ravens need a reliable pass catcher in the likes of Anquan Bolden, Willie Sneed, just to help Lamar Jackson further. And obviously, they've got uh, big, uh, got fast players uh, at receiver and uh, the likes of Mark Andrews already in the game. But they need uh, just that reliable uh, player. Uh, the only other option would, in terms of drafting a receiver, would have been Terrace Marshall, but I feel like it would have been a bit of a reach at 27, especially with his drops. It wouldn't really fit the profile of what the Ravens need. So that's it. Good area, Tony, to the Ravens. 
So wide receiver, Darius mm-hmm. Tony. Not a. There's some love for this dude at the moment in in draft world, and it's not really for me, if I'm honest. It's not for me because you know one of the one of my guys in in last year's draft class was Devin Duvernay, and he was just starting to carve out a role for himself in the slot, and then along comes Kadarius Tony and blows him out of the water and back on special teams. So from that point of view, I don't like it. But I think that there was a good point raised that, you know, with Judon and Ngakwe, Edge probably isn't the, you know, the the, the pressing need or the, the emergency that we, we assumed it was prior to free agency. And as you said, a lot of people like Kadarius Tony. Baltimore, even though they've invested in the position, we've now got Sammy Watkins there, it still feels as though that wide receiver room needs to improve and, and give Lamar Jackson more downfield. So I can see why why this was the position. I, I can see why it was the position. I've seen them move up in mocks to, to go and get somebody somebody better, you know, a Bateman. I've seen them swap with Tennessee to get Bateman several times in mock drafts. For me here, of the receivers that are left, Terrace Marshall Jr. is the dude. I'm with you, 100%. You go and get the big outside guy. Lamar Jackson needs somebody to throw the ball up to, and Kadarius Tony isn't that guy. Terrace Marshall Jr. is a monster on the outside. And although he did play in the slot more for 2020, when he was with the guys in 2019, he was as productive as they were um, until the injury. And I think as an outside presence, he's... He's one of the best in this draft class as a pure outside guy, like we saw last year with T. Higgins. Yeah, I was trying to leave a little bit for you there, and I'm glad you've picked up on it. I think um, Terrace Marshall Jr. from from LSU is going to be a, a top pick at the back end of the first round. And just to make another little sort of dip my toes into the fantasy arena, depending on landing spot, he's going to be a guy that I'm, I'm chasing in Rocky Mott. Tom, I'm, I'm going to have to shut you down here about this fantasy malarkey. You you invited me to a league <laughs> last year and you went and won it. So you, you can't yeah. sit there playing saying you don't you don't play fantasy. You've you've pulled the pants down of pretty much everyone in the league you've made a trade with so far. Um, I've done the honourable thing. Man. I mean, you are you are you you're sort of the Nicolas Cage dude from that war film where he represents a uh, an arms dealer. Uh, I don't remember the name of the film, but <laughs> that's that's what's happened in that league. And then there's me. Your brother approaches me for a trade and. I've got to turn him down because I would be stealing from him. I, I don't know you, if that's actually you, the way to win at fantasy football, but I wouldn't have been able to sleep that night knowing I'd I'd done the wrong. And... The world knows that, that you're a better man than me and, you know, all, all you've done there is prove it. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's the right move though, Tom. I, I can't beat you <laughs> next year if your team's better than mine this year. Um We talked about Terrace Marshall Jr. He comes up in a little bit. Next on the clock is the New Orleans Saints. I said that terribly, like I was almost from there. The New Orleans Saints are on the clock at pick 28, and it's step mum, Lauren, to make that pick. With the 28th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select Greg Newsom II out of Northwestern. He is a versatile, quick, very well-balanced corner, and I know the Saints' defense is is really good, okay? They're, They're stout, but there is... I 
if you want to call it weak, I guess. They were like 13th in fantasy points against against the wide receiver position, but they're usually known for bulking up where they want to on defense, and I don't think that they're going to let someone like Greg Newsom fall into the second round, so they'll probably snatch him up. Um, by the way, Greg Newsom allowed only 31.6% of pass completions in 2020. Uh, he also, I think that equates like 7.8 yards per catch, according to Pro Football Focus. So he is pretty darn good, and he should be making an impact right away. But, um, yeah, let, let's be honest. They're probably not going to stay at the 28th pick. They'll likely trade up into the 10th. But all things considered, I think Greg Newsom is pretty good for the Saints in 2021. They do need a wide receiver to help complement Michael Thomas. They also kind of need a quarterback, considering Drew Brees recently retired. But I you know, the quarterbacks that we really want to take in this draft are already off the board. And they're going to roll the dice and kind of see what they've got with either Jameis Winston and or Taysom Hill. So that will be interesting for fantasy in 2021. But yeah, Greg Newsom, cornerback out of Northwestern. Who dat? Well, in true stepmom Lauren fashion, she went all out with that one, Tom. I think this is a decent pick for them. That, again, I just want to talk surroundings for a minute. That looks so cozy. Doesn't it? she got the fire going on. Yeah. And- Okay, Greg Newsom. Oh, so the Saints, I have absolutely no idea what they're going to do because they are in the seventh circle of cap hell. <laughs> and so anyone that they trade in the first round, I mean, they can't trade back for more picks, right? Because that means more contracts to sign, yep. which means more money that they don't have. So I don't know. Is this is this a signal that the, that Marshawn Lattimore's on his way out in the future to, to, I, to save money one way or another? I think I think you hit it right. Slap bang right in the in the middle of the board there, mate. I think, I think their plan. I I can't possibly speak for the Saints here, but it, from what I've heard, Lattimore's possibly been offered around, um, and and Greg Newsom could be his replacement if they do get rid of that massive cap hit that Lattimore's going to ensue. And I love Greg Newsom. He's I think the highest rated cornerback in the Big Ten last year in terms of. Um, passer rating when he was targeted and he had a fantastic game uh, for Northwestern against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. I'm a big fan of Greg Newsom. Agreed. So the Green Bay Packers are on the clock, pick 29, and it's my old man, Jacob Bake. So for those of you who don't know, just after I started doing Five Yard with Sparky way back in the day, I, I don't even know how this happened. But I bumped into Aaron on Facebook and he said, well, we're looking for writers over at Dynasty Happy Hour. Come over and submit some articles. We'll give you a team to write about. Write about. And Tom, you're going to like this. The team they gave me was the New York Jets. I always knew you had a soft spot. So my first three articles for Dynasty Happy Hour were all about the Jets and, and their fantasy players for, for Dynasty. So They were pretty short articles, weren't they? Was it was was the article called Sitem Sitem? No, I I think I I massively hyped up Robbie Anderson. Well, kudos. To be honest, it was so long ago, mate. I don't remember, <laughs> but I think I've still got it on my laptop. So I will send it to you just for some nostalgia. But nice. Um, Aaron invited me to to one of his leagues. It was actually a fantasy footballers foot clan league, and it was. The draft was the worst draft I've ever been in in my life because it was an auction draft, a 24-hour reset auction draft. Oh, God. I'm I'm sure it took four or five months. It was dreadful. It was dreadful. Uh, I mean, credit for for not losing interest. It was also a money league. 
and I won it. Okay, year so one. that's why you didn't lose interest. Yeah, I won it year one, and the commissioner stated that my fantasy league takes so much. Uh, it wasn't Aaron, but he stated that it takes so much money to run the my fantasy league part of the the a process that the winner got their money back. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I got my money back, which essentially meant entry into year two, because that was the fee. So I don't know whether the guy was scamming me or not, but mm. I asked for my money back. So at least I didn't get scammed in year two and, and left. But Adam and I, Aaron, sorry, and I have, have continued to talk throughout the whole process. And here he is. That was a really long intro. So Aaron, if you're still listening after this, make your pick. 29th Green Bay Packers. Hi, everybody. Yakin Bake here representing the Packers in the 2021 draft. As every Packer fan knows, the best part of this draft, 2020 discussion, can be over, or can it? At the 29th pick, the Packers consider three players here. While the re-signing of Aaron Jones leaves Travis Etienne, running back out of Clemson, on the board, and at the time of our exercise, Bakhtiari is looking pretty good, we chose, as the Packers, to go with Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver out of LSU, so that we can turn the page and finally get that number two wide receiver next to Devontae Adams. Go, Pack, go. And and perfect pick. Our boy Terrace Marshall Jr., Tom, has, has landed in one of the best spots for him, I think. And every cheesehead breathes a huge sigh of relief. If the, if the Packers pass... Here on a wide receiver, there will be riots in Wisconsin. I am certain of it. It's absolutely glaringly obvious what 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 Green Bay needs to do. And Terrace Marshall, for me, looking at the board as it stands, is undoubtedly the strongest receiver on the board. Yeah, I think I think it's a perfect fit. I think you stick him on the outside, move him in occasionally, and you let Devontae Adams do the damage underneath and on the broken plays. I think I think it's an absolutely perfect fit. And finally. Aaron Rodgers gets gets some weaponry to go out and, and try and prove people wrong. So at 30, the Buffalo Bills are on the clock. And Tom, this one, Paul from... There isn't a... There isn't a... Paul from the universe. Oh, I know. I'll tell you who it is. It's Paul Howard. He won a listener league this year. He won a listener league last year. And uh, he messaged me in a group we were in and said, you know, thanks very much for the T-shirt. I'm going to stick it in a frame and put it in my man cave. So... In Paul fact, Howard. Paul Paul and I have been in touch this week as well. Over, um, he got in touch after the college podcast. So, you know, Paul's Paul's in my, my top ten human beings this week. Well done, Paul. Paul, I'm sorry, I forgot it was you, mate. You're on the clock. Pick thirty, the Buffalo Bills. Good evening. With the thirtieth pick of the draft, the Buffalo Bills will select Travis Etienne, running back from Clemson. What can I say regarding Etienne? Hard-working ball carrier, the potential for a three-down back, adds speed and explosiveness to the backfield, has big play potential as a back catching on screen and swing play. The Bills offence could explode with Etienne as our RB1. Go Bills! Now Tom, this one surprised me. Travis Etienne running back Clemson to the Buffalo Bills. What sort of hot mess is that backfield now? Well, goodbye Devin Singletary. Is, is is all I can say to that because if you've got your pass catcher in ETN, you've got your short yardage guy in Zach Moss, I really don't know what you're going to do with Devin Singletary. Two things, I don't expect 
three running backs in the first round. Um, I'm expecting my, my over under is at is at one point five, so I'm not expecting three to go. I do think the Bills are one of those teams that you know a lot of fans want them to take a cornerback, or well, that was the impression I was getting when I was speaking to Bills fans about yep. um, prior to the draft doctors episode over at Five Yard College, and I'm surprised that, that there wasn't a pick for a cornerback here. Uh, maybe because we've seen a run on them that that the value wasn't quite there. I'm not sure ETN's the guy for the Bills, to be honest. Um, and it's not not because I don't like Travis ETN, but I'm not sure how that backfield's going to look with him in it. it, it it's a stinking mess, if that's the case. Paul, in his little write-up here, has written improvement to the position. Really good, as we've mentioned, pass catcher. And ball security is not an issue, but Everything he said there is accurate. You know, he is right. It is an upgrade. <laughs> he is a pass catching. He's nothing that he said there is false. I just, I mean, for, I mean, again, maybe we're looking at this with 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 half an eye on on fantasy and and what it's going to do for for our shares in in Bills running backs. But I really don't know how how that would work. Yeah, on to the next pick, which I think works considerably well on the clock at thirty one, the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, Michael, I've just got Michael, Tom. Any insight as to where Michael was from? Again, Michael is from the universe. The universe, okay. We've narrowed it the down. The universe has, has given us Michael. Hey, Michael, make the pick. Kansas City Chiefs on the clock at 31. Hi, guys. Mike here, picking at number 31 for the Chiefs. I've gone for Liam Eichenberg, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Six foot six, 302 pounds, big imposing guy. Um, excellent athletic measurables at Pro Day. Uh, he has three years starting at left tackle. Um, he hasn't allowed a sack in the last two. Um, he's seen as good in the run game, but especially he is called out for being strong on passing sets. I think this is ideal for the pass-heavy offense that Kansas City runs. He can play either side of the offensive line at tackle, which I think is great because Kansas City are down two starting OTs at the moment. Uh, so I think he can just slot in and be a useful guy straight away. And and offensive tackle, Liam Eichenberg. No, no to Dame position of need, Tom. Absolutely, you, you just got to go and watch the Super Bowl. And, and I know a lot of people <laughs> have said that, but you know the Kansas City, are, of course, have let have let two starting members of the offensive line go, and uh, waiting back to, to to sort of you know judge their health before before committing once more. In in the craziest of of, of years for for football. Taking a lineman from Notre Dame is a very smart thing to do at the back end of the first round because we've seen a, a conveyor belt of, of offensive linemen from the Irish to, to make it. And that's that's what the Chiefs need to do. I think he's he's probably um a, a left tackle exclusively, and I don't I don't see that being a problem for Kansas City. Um I like Liam Eichenberg, and I certainly would have would have expected him to to be taken in this region as well. Yeah, I think he's a perfect fit for the team that that need him. And if you're getting a left tackle to protect the most expensive person in NFL history, it's not a bad move at all. So we've made it, Tom. We've made it to the last pick of the mock draft, and it would it's, it's only fitting that my partner in crime, Murph, makes the pick for the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as you were about to hear, Rush Nation. So here he is, Murph, over to you, mate. Last pick of the mock draft. And with the 32nd pick, 
in this five-yard rush 2021 mock draft, the world champion, NFC champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers select Christian Barmore, defensive tackle out of Alabama Crimson Tide, the national champions of the collegiate game. And really, it's a blessed position to be in, not just because having pick 32 means that you're world champions unless you've traded into the pick or you've traded this pick previously. But um, the Buccaneers are in a really unique position in the fact that they're the only team in Super Bowl era history to return all 22 starters from their Super Bowl roster. And it just means that where do you go here? And with Najee Harris going off the board very early in this draft, it just meant that there really wasn't too many options to to go for. And there were really only two players I was considering here after that. The first was Jalen Phillips um, at the edge position. And I thought that he would be a really good pickup and for him to have fallen out of the first round. I wouldn't say it's a huge surprise, but at the same token is a slight shock. I think he's higher on my board and several other boards than, and to see him for me personally, I think would be a slight shock. Um, but the other, and the one we went for is, is Christian Barmore. And, and the reason I went there is, is twofold. First of all, um, the Buccaneers have, have been the number one run defense in the past two seasons. Uh, even last year when they lost Vita Vea for several games, you know, they went out there, they made a trade, they got Steve McClendon from the Jets, and he was instrumental in, in keeping the Buccaneers on path there. And with the fact that you've got Dominican Sue constantly signing these one-year deals, eventually you're going to get to a point where that's not going to be able to happen. And you need to start thinking about someone that you can bring in either during the season or for the future. And Barmore kind of does both because he's ready to go now. Uh, he is easily the best defensive tackle in this class. And he's someone that you can build around and plug and play in there for the next few years. And he's someone that can build a really good relationship there with, with Vita Vea so that maybe you choose to move on from Sue after this year. But he's also someone that will contribute now given the, giving those guys a break, especially in the extended season. But as well as if you lose Vita Vea again this year and he has had injury problems or you lose Sue for whatever reason, you have someone elite to come in there. Because I think as soon as the Buccaneers stop that ability to stop the run and if they lose that, they're really going to be in trouble because that's what this defense is predicated on. So that is why we've gone uh, with Christian Barmore. Uh, like I said, Jalen Phillips was was another one under consideration, again, for very similar reasons uh, to why I selected Barmore, but just feel like stopping that run is is crucial and would not be surprised if this was the pick um, come uh, opening night of draft night as we would conclude the evening. So there it is, Christian Barmore, defensive line. Is he a tackle? Yeah, he's a tackle, yeah. Okay, so defensive tackle, Alabama. Murph talked about it being a sort of luxury pick. Well, you're the Super Bowl champions, and you know Murph must have mentioned that only 16 times in his in his um, evaluation of the pick. Um, you know, for me, there, there's a lack of depth at the position, right? So, you, I don't think you can wait until the back end of the second round if this is the position that you want to address. I think after Balmore, there is a, there is a big. Uh, fall in terms of in terms of talent. There's a lot of guys that you could get on day two that that there is a question mark over, but you could get some production out of them. But if you want a, as close to um, 
a safe bet as anything, then it, it's Christian Barmore. And again, you know, you, you can't go wrong with, with the Crimson Tide. He has a lot of fans, Barmore. I think prior to the season, people were expecting him to be a mid-first round pick. He hasn't quite hit those heights in, in, in his in his last season with with Alabama. However, he leaves college football as a as a national champion, and he lands himself on the Super Bowl champions. So, quite the year for him. Absolutely, I I, I think you're right. I've I've seen him picked mid to to late first round. Is is this a a weak class for defensive line, Tom, or is perhaps just because his year was? He's obviously the the benchmark player at this position, and because he had a bad year, does that has that affected everyone else's draft stock, or is it a down year for D line? It's a, it's a down year. I mean, Marvin Wilson at Florida State was the guy before a game had been played. People were talking about him as a top fifteen pick, and now you know he he'll be lucky to hear his name on day two by the sounds of it. Um, there's Tyler Shelvin, Tommy Togiai. If you're playing a, a three-man defensive front, you've got Alan McNeil from, from NC State. There is talent there, but not, not the kind of guys that you're willing to, to spend a first-round pick on beyond Balmore. And, you know, Tampa Bay, I think they're set on offence for another year. You know they've 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 brought all the starters back. They've they've added to the to the defense. To, sorry to the to the backfield in terms of uh, Giovanni Bernard. D line is where a gap is if there is one at all on 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 this roster, and it makes sense. Yeah, especially if you're getting the best one in in the class. I think it's it's perfect fit all round. So lucky you, Murph, picking at thirty two, but kudos on the pick. That's it, Tom. We've. We've cleared the board, all 32 in the books. Before we get out of here quickly, I realise we've we've clocked on a little bit here, so I appreciate your time, my man. Is there is there any pick that you thought that's a home run pick or is there anything you think... Nah, you said you weren't... At the beginning, you said you didn't think anything was terrible, but is there anything you, you weren't a fan of? No, there were, there were no terrible picks because, as you said, because of the, the timing, there were a couple that have since become outdated, you know, like, like the Chargers pick. But, you know, we... we we can't do anything about that. For me, the home run pick is is Quitty Pay at twenty one to the Colts. That was the pick for me where I thought, yeah, you know, here's a guy that could well be going as early at eleven to the Giants in a favourable landing spot, and that was a that was a swing for the fences for me. Yeah, I think that just the pure value there makes that the pick of the draft really. Um, Again, I surprised Jalen Phillips didn't make it into the first round. That that did surprise me a little bit, just because of who else we saw go. Um, and then, you know, we said the Bengals pick was, I mean, Jamar Chase there. No, you got to take a tackle. Yeah, Penny Sewell, please, please, let's. You know, Joe Burrow could be very special. Let's let's do our best to to make him so. Like I said, I know the connection he's got, but it's no good having that connection if Joe Burrow isn't still on his feet. Absolutely. Not everybody can make a pass like that quarterback doing a front flip the other day, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can try and make that pass. It's but... not a pass. No, it's... I mean, no. the fact that the ball came out at that velocity, at that angle was tremendous, but the chance of it going to his player was so slight compared to the rest of the defenders. My initial thought was that 
it had actually been thrown into the ground and the toe of the ball had popped it back up into the air. <laughs> but I was proven wrong on a super slow-mo replay. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, Rush Nation, it's out there somewhere. I, somebody will tweet it. It's a ridiculous pass. Like one of these backward passes behind the back, but he gets tackled, is doing a front flip and sort of tosses it backwards towards the end zone. And luckily for him, his receiver is there. Tom, thank you so much for coming on board, man. This has been an absolute hoot. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. It was a, uh, it was pretty painful trying to trying to analyse, you know, picks of people who who I'm confident know more about the game than me. But yeah. I, think, I think we got there in the end. Well, I mean, that's why I'm here. I'm here just to hold the steering wheel and hope it goes in a straight line. You're you're here to break down those picks for me, and you know, I, th- I think we did a, a sterling job. Rush Nation, it's. It, if you don't know where Tom is, Tom, if this is somebody's first listen to Five Yard Rush, thank you for holding on for the entire duration. We appreciate it. Where can they find you and the college stuff? Yeah, come come over to Five Yard College over on Twitter. Uh, and then if you head over to the Five Yard Rush YouTube channel, we've been putting up some uh, some film sessions on some of our favourite draft prospects. Obviously, recently, it's all been about the draft. But once the dust settles, we're going to get right into previewing the next year of college football. And the best thing stocks about about running or helping to run Five Yard College has, has been seeing people get into the college game for the first time. And, and we hope to do that every year. You know, if we get just one person invested in the college game every year, then then we're doing our job. So if you want to get involved, come and find us. Hit us up on Twitter ask all the questions you want to ask and uh, we'll see if we've got the answers. Yeah, it's it's I enjoy it every week. It's it's been fun. I think the thing I've enjoyed the most about it is, you know, it's not just me listening to a college podcast. It's me listening to two of my friends talk about a subject I enjoy but I'm learning about at the same time if that makes sense. So, you know, you guys you smash it on a weekly basis, but I get to listen to two people who you know, I I I've grown friendships with but also you're teaching me so rather than just plugging in a random guy who's teaching me I'm I'm getting to listen to to people that I I trust their opinions and and you know you the lonely hearts thing was superb where you finally wound up with Georgia go dogs Uh, that was a terrible woof I need to work on that Tom Um, I didn't commit that was my trouble I didn't commit to it Um, yeah it's great it's massively great and Rush Nation if you are listening and you're good at college fantasy football the boys over there need a bit of a help next year in, in the uh, five-yard battle. So, you know, we, we need to... Uh, no comment. No comment. No comment, yeah. Let's just hope you can get Jack back on the team next year, Tom. Oh, absolutely. Desperately, <laughs> desperately need Jack on the team next year. Jack, and if you're listening, mate, come get my trophy because I'm not giving it up unless you beat me. Rush Nation, that was Tom from Five Yard College. Tom, love having you on, man. Every time, huge fun. Massively appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Until next time. Until next time. Well, Rush Nation, the draft is now at time of recording, I believe, eight days away. Tom, if I've got that wrong, chime in. If not, carry on with your silence. That was the 2021 mock draft. I got it right. Tom didn't chime in. And Rush Nation, as always, thank you for listening. Stay safe. Enjoy the draft. And keep rushing.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 